like when you hear people talk about organic reach, right? When you hear about people say, like, what does that even mean? What that means is that you're not paying for eyeballs, that by having that engagement with your customers, that there's organic growth there. You are listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales, and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Digital Growth Journey series, where James Robert uncovers and explores some of the industry's biggest digital marketing and sales stories of success. Let's get into the show. Greetings and hello, I am James Robert Lay and welcome to the 191st episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Digital Growth Journey series and I'm excited to welcome Liz McIntyre to the show. Liz is the VP of Marketing and Director of Social Media and PR at Renaissance Bank, as well as the creator of Rise with Renaissance Initiative. And she was recently named one of Mississippi Business Journal's top 50 business women. And today we are going to be discussing Liz's digital growth journey around both social media for financial brands and fintech, in addition to empowering women through the Rise with Renaissance Initiative. Welcome to the show, Liz. It is so good to share time with you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Before we get into talking social media for financial brands and and really the opportunities for financial brands to create through initiatives like you're doing as well to empower women, not just at the bank, but also in the community at large. I always like to start the show off on a positive note. What is good for you? What's going well right now, personally or professionally? It's always your pick to get started. Well, we closed our house yesterday here in Mississippi, and I am going to be moving to Waco, Texas in the near future. So I'm coming your way. Well, I know before we we hit record, you warned me that we might have some unannounced guests join us on today's conversation. Chickens. We've never had chickens join us in the background. So if we get some chickens in the background, I I would love to hear that. (laughs) Well, I mean, it's literally right outside of my window right now. Marla is her name. She's literally right outside my window. We just moved yesterday into my in-law's house. And this is the only spot where there's Wi-Fi. So having lots of struggles today, I just feel like maybe the authenticity of it all will just make this even more fun. It is about the authenticity because this is the world that that we live in. It it can't be overly scripted. We just have to bring our real authentic selves. We have to tell the truth because as I share, and even as my wife joined me for a conversation, I think it was episode 167, we were talking about the importance to telling the truth when it comes to continuous growth, when it comes to continuous transformation. And and you have a very interesting story. We touched on this before we hit record as well. You did not start your career in banking. You came from an, another path, another world, but after attending ABA's bank marketing school, you called your dad and you said, guess what? I know what you do for a living. We can now talk bank lingo together. What was the path that led you to banking with a background in social media in the first place? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love that you remembered that. I just felt so bad, you know, after going to bank marketing school and learning 
I just felt so bad that I had no idea what my dad did for 20 years. You know, like he did so much in our community and I knew that he was involved and, you know, had like, he worked so hard, not just for himself, but for other people. And I don't think I really understood that until I got into the financial industry and learned what our bankers do every day. I came from a hospitality background. So I was doing marketing for a restaurant group and then for a hotel. And the reason that I was kind of sought out for this position was because although we had a few people on our marketing team at that time, there was no one who was taking ownership of the social media aspect. And as we know, banking is a service. Yes. Banking is working with people. And so instead of just posting on social media and not engaging and not dealing with customer service issues, we wanted, well, they wanted to find someone to bring on the team who had that customer hospitality side, but also had the marketing creativity ingenuity side. So that's how it all kind of came to be. And what people don't understand is, you know, half the time that I'm on social media is helping customers, which is so important. And what so many people don't understand about social media managers. Yes. And I think that right there is you finally gained awareness through the bank marketing school of this is not just about what we're doing. It's about the value that we're creating for the people and the communities that we are serving. And that idea of community, yes. that idea of community though goes beyond now physical boundaries zip, but it's also digital. It's also social. It's, and it, it really is from a, a place of, of servant. It's a servant heart leadership perspective. And and I want to go back in your mind here because, you know, and and look at, at this from a broad lens to start with, because when it comes to social media, it's not 2012 anymore. And I say it's not 2012. That was the year that I swore I would never talk about social media again at another conference because at the time really from like 2009, 10, 11, I was getting invited to speak 15 to 20 times a year about what is Facebook, what is Twitter, but there was a problem. As much as I talked about not just the what or the how, but really more importantly, the why social media is important for financial brands, even more so for community financial brands, the simple fact of the matter is no one was really transforming the way that they thought about marketing and social media in a digital world. The struggle, as they say, was real. So I want you to go back in your mind. (laughs) I want you to go back in time. What have been the greatest transformations you have seen around social media? Not necessarily from a channel perspective, because I think that's more tactical in nature, but more from a strategic point of view. So... When I was first starting off in social media, yes, it was more just get things out there. You know, it was just post, whatever. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just get it out there, which I do believe that there's a time and a place for that. But now it is about engagement. Mm. If there is no engagement, then you have no social media presence. Yes. You can have all the followers in the world, but unless you are on there communicating with your customers, and 
being authentic in a way of understanding what their needs are and what they're looking for, then social media doesn't really have a role anymore, if that makes sense. I mean, you can post creative content on there all day long, but unless you're engaging with the people, then it's not going anywhere. I mean, that's what they call, like when you hear people talk about organic reach, right? When you hear about people say, like, what does that even mean? What that means is that you're not paying for eyeballs, that by having that engagement with your customers, that there's organic growth there. And that's how you're getting in front of people. Well, if you connect this back to the physical world, it's like going to a chamber of commerce event and then kind of just standing off to the corner and waiting for everyone to come to you. No, you got to get out. You got to meet. You got to greet. You got to say hello. But then it's not about your conversation. It's really about it's flipping it around. It's trying to get the other person to open up and share more about them because when people share about themselves, that's where you start to learn. So now, you know, if, if we look, you know, 10 years post 2012, there's more market intelligence that we can bring from this so that we can inform other areas of the bank. I want to go back now to 2018 March, because that's when you join the bank, things were a little thin at the time around just marketing as a whole. No one was taking ownership. I think, you know, what you were just sharing too and unpacking was what you've seen. We've moved from a reactive stance to more of a proactive stance. How how was social media viewed back then in March of 2018 when you joined? I think it was seen as something that we had to have. Yep. But nobody really understood why, why we had to have it, but they knew we had to have it. And that is such a mistake because... I truly believe that you don't have to be on every single social media platform. I actually do social media training for our employees. I don't know if I told you this part, but I go in and I talk to our bankers. Obviously, I haven't been in person in a while, but when I first started in 2018, I traveled all over our footprint just to go and train our bankers and our uh, mortgage lenders on how to use social media professionally. And it's so funny that you said that about the Chamber of Commerce, because that's the exact example I give. I say, I want you to start seeing social media as your new Chamber of Commerce. I want you to start seeing social media as your new business networking group. Yes. This is, when you go to Chamber of Commerce, Commerce events, how many times do you go and you speak to the exact same people about the exact same things? This is a way to expand that network. It's a way to get in front of them even when you can't, when we're in the middle of a pandemic. It's a way to expand those relationships, expand that conversation. And a lot of people were not thinking about social media in that way. And so trying to get our community bankers to think outside of just going to these events and how can you take networking and service. Yes. Even a step further. Yeah. You know, and I'm so happy to hear that you're taking, once again, a proactive stance, you're leading in this direction (laughs) because I am predicting that over the next three to five years, the micro has the potential to beat the macro when it comes to social media. And what I mean by that is the micro brands of our individual bankers, our lenders, our leaders, even our branch managers have the potential as a collective whole to beat the macro of the corporate 
brand. And we're seeing that organic reach is abysmal, you know, but just like people bank with people connect and have conversations digitally, socially with people. And so I'm so encouraged to hear you're taking this as part of, of, of internal training, internal education to where all of these other, we'll call them team players, social media becomes more than just a marketing activity, but an organizational wide activity to amplify reach, to build trust in, in local markets. What are some of the roadblocks that you have to address when having these conversations? Because I hear a lot of these roadblocks as well, but I mean, your boots on the ground. I want to get your take on this. What holds people back from thinking that they can do this themselves? So the first would be that most of our bankers are scared of making a mistake. Mm. They're very scared about doing something against compliance. We have created a website called renaissancenation.com. Now, this is a public website, but we use it specifically internally. And it is a place where all of our social media content lives so that our bankers and lenders, our employees, and really anyone can go and share directly off of that website and have the confidence of knowing that is all approved content. And so many people say, well, Liz, I just don't even know where to start. I don't even know what to say. And I'm like, copy and paste. Right. <laughs> We've written out a paragraph for you. It's right there. And the thing is that you're a banker, you're educated in all of this. You understand the language. Don't be scared to share this information. And I, you know, the things that we really focus on with our content so that our bankers and mortgage lenders feel confident is that all of it is driven by just a couple of factors. And one of them, does it bring any value? Yep. What is the value of the content that's there? It's education. So either educating people on our products, educating people on financial literacy, giving tips and things like that. We all know that those are things that bring value. The second is entertainment. Mm. Let's just be real. Social media is filled with entertainment 24 seven all day long. What do you think people are actually doing on their phones? They're either researching or they're watching videos of like, yeah. I mean, let's just be honest. No, and this is a really important note that I want to hit the pause button here because, you know, a lot of the conversation within financial brands have been around data. And like, that's great, but there are two ways to look at this. There is the big data that informs this is what people do at scale, but then there's also the thick data that really dives deep into why people do what they do, why they feel the way that they feel. It's the qualitative side of things. And if data is the oil of the digital economy, I say that attention is gold because attention, it's what we buy, it's what we trade on, you know? And like you said, there's cat videos, there's TikTok, there's a million different things. And I believe that as financial brands, if people have gifted us with their attention, even if it's just five to 10 seconds, that is a gift that they have given us because that attention could be turned in a million other places. 
we should do everything in our power to provide them with a return on their time, a return on their attention so that they leave even better than, than, than they came in the first place. hundred percent. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that we do, so we have that value piece, right? With the entertainment piece, we have done a ton of different web series and something that my boss always talks about, John Oxford, who's the director of marketing at Renaissance. He always talks about our content and that it fits with our tagline, which is understanding mm. you. The, the content that we post is relatable to our customer base. And I even take that a step further. I say that by understanding you, which is our tagline, we understand Southern culture. We are a Southeastern bank. We are nowhere else in the country. And what is bigger in the South than SEC football? I was about to say it's football, y'all. There's nothing else. It's a religion. I mean, it is what people live for most of yep. the year. <laughs> and, well, and so partnered with SEC Shorts, and it has just gone viral. It's crazy. Did we think that was going to happen at the beginning? No. But it is about understanding who our customers are and what they look for. And what they're looking for is entertainment and what connects to them. And it's not just entertainment. It's also emotional. It, it really is. And you mentioned John. And just to connect some dots for the dear listener, John joined me for a podcast all the way back to episode 32. And so that was about 160 episodes ago or, or, or so. But what you're talking, renaissancenation.com, check it out because under it, you have shows, like you mentioned SEC Shorts, but then you got Welcome Y'all, you've got uh, Say It Southern, you've got Dream Together, you've got Building Us with Tara and Wes. It's all of these and it's now more than just social media. The conversation has now gone beyond social media. This is about content. Social media is just a distribution channel to bring that content to bear, to make these emotional connections with people, to place deposits within the trust fund that sits between their ears. And so I'm curious, um, like, what has this journey been like? We mentioned value before, but once again, I want to dive deeper into this area because this is a, another struggle I hear from marketing teams and, and even from their exec teams when it comes to proving the value of quote unquote social media or the value of quote unquote content. What are the opportunities to prove value beyond just vanity metrics of likes and clicks and shares, but to dive even deeper into more of what we will call like emotional deposits? Where's value creation? How are you having these conversations internally? Yeah, so and if you listen to the names of a majority of those shows, how many of them connected to the South? Yep. It is it is this emotional, deep connection with our customers that's more than just a superficial. It, there's thought that goes into every single one of these pieces. I mean, as we all know, and this is also a question I'm sure you get all the time, is we don't have the money to do that. Part of it is, is to not be scared. We are so scared that what we're going to put out there is going to cause problems, and that's a risk. It is. And we have to work hand in hand with our compliance team to make sure that what we're doing is going to be okay to post in the long run. 
I mean, you know, we don't want to spend all of this money, right, producing a show and then coming to compliance and saying, hey, can you look at this show and approve it? That's not going to happen. We have to let our compliance team know up front in the uh, strategy, in the creative stage to let them know what we're thinking and how this relates to our customers and connects them to our bank. But the, the way that we do this is that we don't necessarily sell a product. It's yes. not about product. It is about the connection. It is about getting those, getting this content in front of people's eyes to exactly what you're saying, make an emotional deposit in their head to get them to think about us. We want to be top of mind awareness. We want to create conversations. And that's what this content is about. Digital growth is a journey from good to great. But sometimes this journey can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming. The good news is you don't have to take this journey alone because now you can join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs who are all learning, collaborating, and growing together. Visit digitalgrowth.com insider to learn more about how you can join the Digital Growth Insider community to maximize your future digital growth potential. Now, back to the show. And that's exactly what we used to do back in the day, like with broadcast, TV, radio, print. It was all about that kind of top of mind awareness. But this is a little bit different. That was a very static one-way dialogue. This is now more about community. And I don't even like to use the word audience building anymore. I like to really think about this as community building because audience building, what do you do when you're in the audience? You're, you're passive. It's still one way. Community is now dialogue. And I'm glad you're bringing up the point of risk because that then connects a dot to a conversation that I just had the episode right before you, episode 190 with Amanda Cohen. And we were talking about the need to get compliance involved in the conversation early and often. And there's a lot of times that the education has to come in to inform this is why we're doing what we're doing. Most importantly, then we, once we inform the why, then we can talk about the what and then the how, and then they're like, ah, I get it. And so it takes away that risk. But what you're really tapping into is niche market affinity. And that requires, I'm not even going to say little, that requires oftentimes a lot of courage because you're basically saying, this is who our ideal account holder is, and we're going to double down on this. And then if you're outside of this, if you don't connect it, if you don't resonate with this, it's okay. We'll still take you in, but this is who we're really looking to attract. This is who we're really looking to create value. For. How does those, how do those conversations transpire internally? Because sometimes I hear bankers say, oh, well, we can't like, we can't, niche down around like family business, for example, or we can't niche down around the gig economy. How do you ha handle those conversations? So I think that, you know, you do have to have a very well-rounded strategy when you do start thinking about these niche markets, because the thing is that you don't just have to focus on one niche market, right? You can focus Correct. on several at the same time. Yes. And yes. I think that's what a lot of people can't wrap their heads around because they are only wanting to focus on one thing at one time. You have mm -hmm. to double and you don't need to be scared that something's not going to do as well as the other because you don't know what relationships or benefits are going to come out of each of those niche markets if you don't. So one of the things 
we do is our Say It Southern web series. So that is with a uh, couple who have a podcast, Sarah Stone-Smith and Courtney Goolsby, the Say It Southern podcast. They strictly focus on women in the South who are either entrepreneurs, small business owners, or are just movers and shakers who are, you know, doing things in their communities or their workspace that that other women may not be doing. They're kind of paving the way. And we connected with them and we've expanded their podcast into a web series. And it focuses on these women who are doing absolutely incredible things. And the women who follow the Say It Southern podcast, they are loyal followers. Courtney and Sarah say jump, they say how high. I mean, they (laughs) love these women. It is a strong community. And so when they are telling these stories of these women and they say, go check out this product or go check out her art or go check out what she's doing, they go. We couldn't have got reached that audience without them. And we are reaching a whole new group of women who we would have never reached otherwise through this small niche community. I love the fact of a couple points you're touching on. You're collaborating with other quote unquote influencers in the marketplace, number one. Yes. And and number two, it's really about empowering women because that is, and we had a conversation on this podcast before, and I forget the episode number, but we were exploring how women and that, that the whole market, the whole demographic is such an untapped opportunity, whether it be on the retail side or on the commercial side. There's so, it's an abundance of opportunity to tap into. I think about even Sherry Storm years ago and the work that she was doing around this back in 2000. 9, 10, 11, for example, over at Verity Credit Union. She was really, I would say, you know, ahead of the game with that. But you're also ahead of the game here as well because you're looking at expanding this, not just from an external perspective, but even more so from an internal perspective to increase the engagement to really elevate women through the rise with Renaissance Initiative. What's the backstory here? How did this come to be? Because I think it's important that we tie this all together because this is about advocacy. This is about bringing people together for a cause, both internally, externally, having a cause, having a purpose that is bigger than the present moment that we're all working towards together. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. You know, coming from a hospitality background, I would say that it was a much more diverse community than when I initially got into the financial industry. You know, I going to conferences, I was, you know, I was trying to educate myself very new to the financial and banking industries. And I came to John Oxford and and said, you know, I'm really shocked at the lack Mm -hmm. of diversity at these conferences. I went to one conference and there were maybe one or two people of color at the conference. And then there was only one panel that had women on it. There were no keynote speakers who were women. There were no keynote speakers or even speakers in general who were African-American, Asian, no other diversity. It was all white men. And Mm. 
and I just went to John and I said, I'm not really sure how comfortable I feel about it. And he said, well, what are you going to do about it? And so I said, well, you know, I've been thinking and, you know, our bank is 71% women. And, but yes. when you look at our board and when you look at our senior executive management level, those numbers don't add up. So what is it that's keeping women from taking those next steps in leadership? And also, why aren't we talking more about this and bringing awareness to it? I think that this is a space that we have not yet explored. You know, big companies were already doing it. You know, you look at Capital One, you look at Space, like they have these women entrepreneurship programs and things like that. A lot of community banks and regional banks had not necessarily put their money where their mouth is yet. And that's what I wanted to help Renaissance do. And so it really just kind of, John said, all right, I've got the name for it. I'm not taking credit for it, but it's Rise with Renaissance. I was like, okay, great. Yeah, that's perfect. And he's like, okay, now you go do the work. He's like, if this is going to be for women, it needs to be powered by women. He's like, I want you to take it. I want you to own it. And and he's like, and I will back you up every step of the way. Love so it. that's really how the program got started. And now four years later, is that right? Yeah. We will be having our inaugural women's summit, which will be in Birmingham, Alabama on May 10th, where we will have women from all across our footprint who probably have never met before to bring them together to do professional development, learning about their strengths. And we're bringing in Natalie Bartholomew, the girl banker, to come in. She's going to be our keynote speaker. And it's really an opportunity for these women who, you know, are really the foundation of Renaissance Bank, who are the the movers and the shakers, but maybe not haven't quite reached their leadership potential yet. Maybe they just haven't been given those opportunities. Maybe they haven't felt like they had the confidence yet to take that extra step. And so this is what that is going to focus on and give those opportunities to women within our company who may not have had them otherwise. You're hitting on so many points and you're just getting me so excited because we have four kids, two boys, two girls, but I'm gonna tell you, my daughters, like watch out world, particularly with our nine-year-old. I mean, she is just little miss entrepreneur. I mean, she is just gonna do tremendous. I'm hoping she's like, a hundred times more successful than I'll ever be because she has such a bright future ahead. And there are all these opportunities that will continue to support and develop her. And I'm loving how you're doing this internally because like you mentioned, you start internally. What would you say? Like 70% or so of your team at the bank are women. Now consider the fact here too, this is from hermoney.com. More than half of women control household finances, investments, and retirement planning. So it, it, we're missing this market opportunity, once again, on the commercial side, on the, on, the, on the retail side. And what you're doing here is an internal external initiative because this is about internal professional development for women who work at the bank. It's about promoting external professional development opportunities for women entrepreneurs. And it's about outreaching to young women to promote leadership and careers in banking and business. And, you know, you mentioned the girl banker, Natalie Bartholomew. She joined me for an episode back in 96. Now we can start to connect all of this back together because that's her personal brand. The personal Mm -hmm. brand, once again, has the potential to be even far greater than the 
corporate brand. Now, if you can build these personal brands, and I'm, I'm, I would love to like see like flash forward five years and look back to this conversation <laughs> today. And and if you know Natalie Bartholomew's doing this, she's been on the show. Jennifer Beeston, she is a nation's top one percent mortgage lender who's doing amazing things with her personal brand in the mortgage space. Carrie Ann Betton Stimson, who is the chief marketing officer at JMMB Group out of Jamaica, she has the internal marketing podcast, and it's all about employee advocacy, social everything that we're talking about. So this is the the future, but once again, like everything in banking, takes a little bit of time to get a groundswell, but we're right here. Even Bryce Nobles at MX and the work that he is doing around this idea is just, it's such an exciting time to see the future being created and really kind of creating it together. Speaking about the future, and as we start to wrap up here, this has been a fantastic conversation, Liz. I appreciate the knowledge, the insight, the ideas that you've brought today to share, to to educate, to empower, to elevate others, the dear listener. What are you most hopeful and excited for as you look ahead towards the future? We'll call it of just social media, of content within the financial services industry as a whole? Well, I think that one of the main things that I am excited about with moving forward is specifically within Renaissance Bank and the financial industry as a whole, that this idea of advocacy will become a staple within mission. So, you know, you hear banks talking about all the time their mission statement and their values. And I know that moving forward, no matter what the future holds, I truly believe that Rise of Renaissance will become a foundation of that mission and that women will know that when they're looking into entrepreneurship, when women are looking for jobs, that they will think about Renaissance because they know that they that Renaissance puts money where their mouth is. And I hope that can start to grow within the financial industry in general. Social media wise, I am loving all of the positive content that professional companies are putting out. You know, so many things that we see online, is just so negative. And part of what I tell our bankers all the time is, is that even if you don't necessarily see the value of what you're posting or engaging with your customers, you putting out this education or entertainment or emotional content is putting out positive information. We are not honing on fear. We are not honing on anger. We are not honing in on any of those other triggering, you know, negative things on social media that by putting out positive content that we are helping to to make social media and the digital space a more positive place. I want to end on that note and I want to tap into the analytical mind, the left brain mind of the banker who is like, oh, this is all just feel good stuff. But does it really create value at the end of the day? Frost Bank out of Texas has developed a program called Opt for Optimism to where they've been able to quantify the power of the positive mindset, the power of positive psychology to where they found that optimists are seven times more likely to experience better financial health than pessimists. Optimists experience 145 fewer days of financial stress a year 
than pessimists, and optimists have half the number of financial setbacks than pessimists. This is why I see the future of financial services going beyond just services. We started this conversation, but really beginning to build coaching in to not just transform people's product, but to more importantly, transform their behaviors, their actions, their habits. And the only way that we can do that is to transform their beliefs, their mindset structures, their relationship with money. We're really tapping into, I think, something very interesting. It'll be great to to pull this out of the archive three to five years from now and say, wow, look at how far we have come on this journey together as individuals, as teams, as organizations as an industry. I want to wrap up here with a really practical question because all growth begins with a small, simple step forward. What is one small thing that you would recommend the dear listener do with their financial brand or their fintech to maximize their future growth potential through social media, through content? One small, simple step, best next step, what would that one thing be? I love that you asked that because there was something that I wanted to say and it just fit. I love how this conversation has literally just gone full circle. You never know until you just do it. Just like Nike says, you never know what will come from a social media post. You will never know what will come from having a conversation with your supervisor about an idea. You will never know until you ask. I feel like so many people are so risk averse and then also are scared for some reason to talk to their uh, superior about an idea or about something that's bothering them. Communication is key and you will never know what could come out of, of those conversations, whether in person or online. You will never know what will come out of conversations, just like this has been a fantastic conversation that I hope inspires new ideas and new thinking for those who are listening to then ultimately take action and have those conversations internally with others at their financial brand. That might be with others on their marketing team. That might be with others on their sales team. It might be with their lenders or their leaders, but continue the conversation, continue the discussion, because that's how we continue to all grow from good to great. Speaking about conversations, Liz, what is the best way for someone to reach out, connect with you, say hello, and continue the conversation we've started here today? Oh, thank you. Yeah, they can find me on LinkedIn um, at Liz Lancaster McIntyre. That was my maiden name. So Liz Lancaster McIntyre. And then the same thing on Instagram, if you want to get some videos and pictures of chickens and experience to see all the way back around and want to see a Mississippian moving to Waco, you can find me on Instagram at Liz Lancaster McIntyre and see all of that fun stuff there. But please connect with me on LinkedIn. That I, I think that's one of the most underappreciated social media platforms is LinkedIn when you use it correctly. And I would love to connect with you there. Connect with Liz, learn from Liz, grow with Liz. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Banking on Digital Growth. This has been a tremendous amount of fun. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. This is like, oh, it's just been great. Thank you so much. 
Until next time, and as always, be well, do good, and make your bed. Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. To get even more practical and proven insights along with coaching and guidance, visit digitalgrowth.com insider to join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs. Until next time, be well and do good.